I was just saying how amazing was that story. My heart was absolutely pounding when she was talking. And just as she was, um, like, bringing that story, I was just thinking that that's very special what's happened there. I think we're definitely um, living in special times. I think with what we've been through over the last year or so, I think God has really used that time to open people up to the gospel. And that's amazing. I mean, even just yesterday morning, I walked out my front door and there's a guy who lives up our road, an Iranian guy. And I walked out the door and I was just chatting with him and he said to me, can you take me to your church? And I went, yes, <laughs> of course I can. When it opens, hopefully not too much longer, eh? Simon, Gavrash, come on, come on. But hopefully not too much longer. He doesn't want to come online, but he wants to wants to come to church. And that's just someone who I've been talking to over probably the last couple of years and just asking how he is and everything. So like what Caroline was saying now, I think God's making it easy for us. So I think we just really need to make the most of this time. Anyway, I look at the time because I don't know much like five past eight. Right, I'm going to start. So I got um, the word go. That's my, what I'm doing the talk on. So I'm sure a lot of you know this, but the word go appears in the Bible 1,514 times. Uh, I got Stu to count them off. For me so that's okay 233 times in the new testament and 54 in matthew's gospel alone jesus tells us to go go to the lost sheep go and invite all you meet go and make disciples jesus last recorded words were matthew 28 verse 18 to 20 known as the great commission and that is all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Therefore, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I'm just so grateful to Jesus' disciples for being obedient, because if it wasn't for them, we would not be sat here over 2,000 miles away, over 2,000 years ago, talking about Jesus with people from other nations just right here, right now. So it's amazing. So I'm so grateful. So we are to go, whether it's to our next door neighbour, to the end of the road, to the school mums, to people in your school, people at work, or whether it's to another country, because I know some people here are called to go to another country to make disciples, but we're all called to go. It's a command to all Christians. We're not all evangelists, but we, we have all received gifts that we can use to help fulfil the Great Commission. Uh, when I became a Christian 27 years ago, it took a bit of time before I fully realised what happened to me. It wasn't until I was baptised with the Holy Spirit that things began to fall into place. Two things stood out for me at this time. The first one was just, I was really having difficulties reading the Bible, reading the word of God. But once I was filled with the Holy Spirit, it was as if the book came to life for me. I was reading it, everything was making sense. 
it was as if it was just speaking to me personally. Funny that, isn't it? But it was as if it was just speaking to me personally. And that, that was the first thing I started to uh, want to read the Bible and understand it. And then secondly, I was just filled with such a passion uh, to get to know Jesus more and a passion to tell everybody about him. And God just put compassion on my heart for people as well. And I just wanted to see everybody who I knew, everybody who I didn't know, I wanted to see them saved. And I'm still like that now. And it's from being filled and baptised with the Holy Spirit. So I'll just say to you tonight, if you're not filled, baptised with the Holy Spirit, that's something that, you know, you should receive tonight because it's amazing. Um, to be honest, confession, I was very insensitive. I just, to the point where I was a proper Bible basher, you can't believe that, can you? I was a proper Bible basher to the point where people would see me in the streets and hide from me. Actually, some people still do. But I was just insensitive and I feel like I've learned a lot from there. I hope I have anyway. But there's probably two traps we can fall into. We can be insensitive or we can be too scared, like what Caroline was talking about. And then that's praying for boldness and courage to speak out. So that is the job of the Holy Spirit. And I just wanted to share a couple of stories. And with all my stories, some people may have heard them, but some people won't. But they're that good. They're good to hear over and over again anyway. So I'm going to tell you your story. And this is really, I just wanted to encourage like new Christians who maybe, you know, haven't learned how to share the faith yet. I just want to encourage you with this because these stories are right. We'd only been saved about a year, two years, if that. So the first one was me and my little sis Pauline. I think Pauline's here tonight. I'm just going on gallery view because I'm not looking at myself. Yay, Pauline. Um, we went into Billingham Town Centre and there was a lady in the shop. She got to the front, an elderly lady. Um, I'll mention Mandy's name because she's not with us now. So she, you know, she won't go mad for me mentioning her name because she's not, anyway. Um, so uh, we went into the shop and when she got to the till to pay for a food, she'd lost a purse. And me and Pauline like realized, so we went and helped her out and we gave her the money for bus fare home. Oh, we took her to the police station and Pauline was so sneaky. She listened for her address where she lived. And then um, we put her on the bus and then we told our church, our church actually gave us the pension money to take around for Mandy and Pauline, good girl Pauline, had listened to where she lived. So we just turned up on the doorstep. How cheeky is that? But we did it. And we knocked on the door and she invited us in. We gave her the money. She was over the moon and so happy and blessed. And from that moment on, I mean, me and Pauline just had little babies in pranks. I had Hannah and Pauline and Connor. But we would go around and visit uh, Mandy. Every Thursday she'd do his lunch and we just struck up a really good friendship. And one night when I was praying for her, God said to me, and it just put my heart, the faith was, Mandy's going to be saved tomorrow. And I was like, wow, she's going to be saved. And I thought, I thought, how's that going to happen? There's only been Pauline. And then I realised that it was me and Pauline who were, after go who were going to have to lead her, you know, to God. So I phoned Pauline and said, it's us, Pauline, it's us. We're going to have to do it. And we'd never, you know, 
um, led anyone to the Lord before. So me and Pauline went round and we told Mandy what God had said. And we said, would you like to become a Christian today? This, and this 86 year old woman said, yes. And she just knelt to the floor, still mixing when I talk about it. So she just knelt to the floor and received Jesus at 86. And it was wonderful. And then that same year, we were going camping to Stonely Bible Camp. And we said, would you like to come with us? She'd never been camping in her life. And she decided to come with us to the Bible camp. Her daughter thought that she'd been captured by the Moonies. So we had to have a conversation with her because she thought that her mother had been taken off by this mad cult. But her daughter let her come with us. And she went to the meeting every night. It was miles away. We were, we were camped miles away from that meeting. And she walked to the meeting every night and she got baptised in the Holy Spirit. And um, that was Mandy's story. We didn't meet for much longer than that. She died not long after, after that, actually. But how amazing to be involved. I just When I think of Mandy, I think 86 years old. God never gives up on anybody. 86. And he was still pursuing her. And I just think it's amazing. And the next story is I'd been talking to um, a guy we worked with. And I'd asked him and his girlfriend to come to our church meeting because I knew that the gospel was going to be preached. And he said he would come. And I was sat waiting for him and the meeting was about to start and he didn't turn up. And I just got this overwhelming feeling. I thought, no, he needs to be here. He's going to become a Christian tonight. So I got someone to take me in the car to where he lived, but I didn't know where he lived. I just know he lived in a flat in this rough part of Stockton. And I went knocking on the flat doors. And there was people like going mad and I nearly got, you know, filled in off someone because we disturbed them. And then I knocked on the door and said, you need to come tonight. I said, you're going to hell if you don't. And I wouldn't recommend that because it really rubs people up the wrong way. But you know what? He came with his girlfriend and he became a Christian and his girlfriend came back to God. She'd become a Christian about five years before and they were saved that night. We've got good news to share, and their eternities are changed forever. Now, they haven't been to church for quite a few years, but their eternities have changed, and I know they'll come back. I know they'll come back. So that's a couple of stories. My next scripture is 2 Corinthians 2, 15 to 17. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? What an amazing scripture that we, when we're around, we're smelly people, basically we smell. Um, most of us nice, hopefully. But to some people, we don't, and they just don't like us because they know we've got Jesus living us and they can't cope with that. Uh, it says that last thing, who is equal to such a task? And, you know, who is equal to such a task of telling people about Jesus? 
it's scary, but we can all do this because of God. He's already commissioned us and he's already sent us and he's given us the Holy Spirit to enable us to speak with Christ's power. Now, the story we're reading about Caroline, she was speaking and praying with Christ's power and people get saved. And each and every one of us can do that because God has told us we can do that. So we need to realize that it's God that gives us the ability and the knowledge to overcome our own feelings of fear and inadequacy. So that's a challenge for us. My next scripture is John 15, 9 to 17. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything. I have learned from my father. I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. It's a great scripture, that isn't it? So Jesus is the ultimate friend, isn't he? He was such a good friend to the point that he laid down his life for us. You don't get any better friend than that. And Jesus calls us friends, not servants. And as a church, you know, let's go. We are friends together, friends who enjoy the presence of God together. We are together on a mission. We are brothers and sisters born again into God's family. Let's keep helping and supporting one another. As Christians, we can be the best friends ever. You know, because we've got Jesus living in us. And when people become our friends and start to get to know us, they also get to know Jesus. And that just like really hit me the other day that people are getting to know Jesus because they're getting to know us. So let's be the friendliest people on earth. Don't just befriend people, you know, to convert them. Or, and don't see people as a project because people know, people aren't daft. They know when you're just, you know, befriending them uh, just to get to, to church. One of my friends, who uh, I mean, she's been my friend for 11 years. Now we walk, well, we, we don't walk our dogs together. My dog's died now, he's dead. But I walk her dog, because you can't walk a dead dog, can you? So I walk hers now. And um, she said to me the other day, she said, well, it wasn't the other day, it was a couple of weeks ago. She said, you're never going to convert me, you know? I went, I, I didn't say, well, I, went, I, I can't convert you anyway. It's, it's not to me, you know, it's up to God, not me. And she went, well, you're not. Told. That's fine. And then a couple of minutes later, she went, you're not going to stop trying to convert me. <laughs> I said, no, don't worry. I'm not going to give up on you. <laughs> so people say they don't want Jesus, but they do. We all know, don't we? And over the past 
27 years, because that's how long being a Christian. <gasps> must have only been about 10, mustn't I? But over the past 27 years, I've had the privilege of seeing a lot of people saved, and I've had the privilege of praying with them personally as they accept Jesus into their lives. I've seen a lot of this on Alpha Courses. Our Alpha Courses have been brilliant and so exciting. And I just want to say, isn't it great that Jonathan's brother-in-law has been saved? I don't think we make enough fuss when people get saved. Woo! Woo! Amazing. Sorry, I've lost my place now. Um, <laughs> so I've had the privilege of seeing like a lot of people saved. I've seen school mums saved. There was a point when quite a few when Hannah and Alice were at the school in Oxbridge, there was quite a few um, mums saved at the same time. And it was so good. But a lady worked in the school and she went to the church over the road from the school. She was very cross with me. She said, we've been praying for that school for years and you've just come in and you've like took them to your church. <laughs> and she was quite cross with me. And I thought, and I just said to her, I know, but, you know, it's amazing, isn't it? And thank you so much for praying for this area for so long. And please keep praying for them. But it's like what Caroline was saying. Everyone's on a journey. Some of us, like, you know, will do all the sowing, but other people will reap. And she finally came around and she was happy in the end. But there was quite a few of the skill mums saved. Uh, a dog walking friend was saved. I've had neighbours served, Sarah Derrick, Judith, Gail, Hayley, when she lived in Oxford. So, you know, it's been a privilege and it is such amazing, exciting part of God's, you know, plan of salvation for people. But I've been friends with two of my friends, I'm not going to mention the names, you all know them, you've met them loads. I've been friends with them since I was five years old. Uh, they've been through everything with me, through life with me. They know everything about me. They've seen as I went from being a normal person to becoming a Christian. And, you know, they've seen, they know everything about me. 27 years, I've talked to them. I've told them about Jesus. They've been to, oh, I couldn't tell you how many Alpha courses. Everything I asked them to do, they will come to and they will support me in anything I ask them to. And they're still not Christians. I've cried buckets over them. I still cry over them. You know, when they come and listen to the gospel and don't respond, I, I cry. It's awful. But in all of this, God's taught me, one, that I, can't, I cannot convert people. You know, I, I think I'm pretty good at sharing my faith. But I cannot convert people, trust me. I've tried with these two, they've had it all, and they're still not Christians. Um, but he's given me like patience and you know, love and endurance through this relationship. And I was just thinking about you know what such great friends they are to me, and they've, they've helped like me and Stu and the kids through all sorts, you know, especially this year's been a hard year, but being there along with you know my uh, church family they've been there alongside us and uh, they've got such good qualities christian qualities love you know they've got very good morals everything about them is christian and i felt god said to me you know why why are you surprised 
because they do know me, even though they haven't accepted me, they know me and they've been walking with me. And because I've been a friend, I've been discipling them. Everyone in church has been looking after them. I can remember when we come to church once and Raj said to them, you might not remember this, but he said, he went up to them and he said, I know that you're not Christians and yet, but we see you as part of our church family and we see you as part of our church community. And, you know, they love that. They love Raj for that. He's still not quite up there with Jerry yet, but he's nearly there. But, um, and I know that when we're looking at there's people in our lives who we've got where, you know, the part of the community, they're not saved yet, they're not Christians, but they're on the fringes and they're part of our family and community. And I just really feel that this is a time that God's just going to bring them in. Um, and, it, you know, it's just exciting to see that. Um, God will keep bringing people into our lives, you know, on a day-to-day basis. He will bring people across our paths. Everybody, whether they're not or not, need Jesus. They were created to be in a relationship with God through Jesus. Everybody, you know, is thirsty for Jesus. They just don't know it yet because they just fill their lives with other stuff and worship other stuff, so they don't realise it yet. But I would just keep your eyes open when you're out in your everyday life. Just keep your eyes open and, like, you know, do take, be bold and take steps of faith. And we can sometimes fall in the habit because, you know, some of us aren't like might not feel confident enough to share our faith but we can all do something don't do nothing we can all say hello to someone we can all pray for somebody we can all you know bake for people we can all soon ask people in for a cup of tea we can all do something I just want to share a little um story um and you probably heard this before it was one Sunday morning before I was coming to church I was hanging and washing out and I just heard this screaming and crying um, down the down the back alley near where I live. And to be honest, I was going to ignore it because I was in a rush. And then I, I just thought, you can't. So I just stood on the bench and popped my head over the back alley. And there was this young girl and she was in a right straight, uh, state on drugs. And, you know, she, she was scratched and everything. And she was crying. I just put my head up and I went, I just said to her, are you okay? And she was just saying, you know, a boyfriend had beat her up and kicked her out and shot all the bags out the window. And I just said to her, what can I do to help you? What can I do? And she said, really? And I went, yeah, will you just take my bags in for me? And I went, yeah, I can do that. She went, really? Not yet, because at the time she only had a couple of bags. And she went, right, one minute. When she went around the corner, she came with two big suitcases as well that were around the corner, but that was okay. So I just took a bag in and the suitcases, put them in the passage. I said, look, I'm going to church now, but my husband's in. If I'm not back, just knock on the door and you can have them back. And then I went off to church. But Stu was in and he said she turned up with a policeman and the she and the in his police car and he helped put them in. And do you know what? I've never seen that girl again, but I was just thinking, like, if that was us and we had everything we owned in our bags and just didn't know what to do, and some stranger took them in. No, how 
it must have been such a relief to her. And I can't believe that she actually trusted me with all her property. You know, she just trusted me and gave me it and just look around and just meet people's needs in that moment. You know, just be bold enough to do that. And then I got a quote, I don't know where it's from, to be honest. And it says, not many of us will be called to do great things, but we can all do small things with great love and the love of Jesus. And to me, that was just a small thing. But we never know by doing something that we think is really small, we don't know what impact that's going to have on somebody's life. And we don't, you know, we don't know. That might just set her up for somebody else, some other Christian to come along and help her out. So we don't know. So just keep your eyes open. Am I all right for time? I've just got a last little back bit gap. Is that all right? I'll be as fast as I can. Just just want to say a little bit about discipleship. Before I do this, I just want to say, you know, there's... I just want to say a big thank you first to Paul and Liz for the way they've looked after us over this lockdown and discipled us. And, you know, we're not an easy group, our group, trust me, you know. But they've really looked after us. And, like, you know, like when I look at our church and I'm talking about this, I feel like I'm talking to the converted because I think our church are brilliant at outreach and brilliant at looking after each other. And I want to say a big thank you to John and Sue as well. They are absolutely amazing. They just gather people and they really look after them. So no jokes there, John. I want to say thank you to you. So just a couple people there want to say thank you. And when I'm thinking of discipleship, just the mother and fathers, I mean, I haven't had a mum and dad since I was 25, but people, I've had mothers and fathers, you know, Dave and Lynn there and Jeremy and Anne and Paul and Liz. You know, they've all been like mothers and fathers to me a lot across the years. Marion, you know, being like a mother. I just want to say thank, you know, thank you. And discipleship, you know, it's about parenting. It's about being fathers and mothers. And we can all be involved in this. And, you know, it's not only to new Christians, it's to one another. Jesus commanded, love one another. So it's listening to each other, helping, encouraging, giving, feeding each other, getting involved in each other's messy lives, not being afraid to tell each other if we're doing wrong, praying together, reading the Bible together. And, you know, I think we're so good at that. And I'm just so grateful that I'm part of a church that are mothers and fathers. And, I, you know, I love discipling people. But I want to say the best discipling job I've had and I'm so proud of is my is Hannah and Alice. And you know, I want to encourage mothers and fathers here tonight with younger kids and teenagers, you know, put your all into it. That's the best cyber job you're ever gonna have. And when I see Hannah and Alice, I see them leading worship, you know, helping our alpha, and just the way they are with the neighbours and with their friends, my heart just pounds. Alice said to me the other day, she, she'd went in to see a neighbour and he'd said, you and Jabba are the best neighbours ever, you know. And they've only lived there a couple of years. And he said, the other neighbours were nice and all neighbours are nice, but nobody else has given me the time of day, but you, you do. And Alice said, I said to him, do you know what? My mum's always taught us to be really good to our neighbours. 
We always had them in at Christmas. My mum bakes for the neighbours. She's always taught us that. And my heart was just like, mm, you know, because that's something I'd given um, to them. And when they were grown up, this house, I mean, everyone who knows me, my house, we don't have a big house. We live on an end terrace opposite a chippy, smell about it, sausage every afternoon, nothing posh. But we can do wonders when I think of all the people I've had in my house, all the different nations I've had in my house, all the different kids. This house, me and Stu just opened up. We had all of Alice's friends here, the be most nights. And we had all of um, Hannah's friends here. And Haley, my little Haley, used to be over a lot. And her mum, oh, every time I see Haley's mum, first thing she says to me is, thank you for looking after Haley. And she always says to me, thank you for getting her involved in church. So we don't know what impact we have, we've, you know, we have on our children's friends as well. So I know we can't do it now because we're not allowed, but WWBD, what will Boris do? When we can, following government guidelines, come out of lockdown, I want to encourage you to get your homes back open again. Okay, we've got to be careful still, I understand. But have people in for cups of tea. If you've got kids, let them have the friends over. You, do, you don't know what impact you're having. And another thing, what was said about Alice as well, we used to take the kids over the road to church every week. And Alice in a, came down with them one night and she'd led them both to become Christians. Um, and that was in a bedroom. And okay, I don't know whether the one we got now, but it's like what Caroline was said, don't doubt it. You know, something happened. They became Christians. And also... I know as I'm talking about my kids and bigging them up, because I am, because, you know, I think they're amazing. But I know some, there's some people here who kids aren't walking with God anymore. And that's hard. You know, that must be really hard for you. I know that you've brought your kids along, you brought your grandkids along, and they're not walking with God yet. But, you know, I re believe that the prodigals will return. God has got his hands on them, like on their lives. And do you know what? They might even be making a good job of their lives. All their lives might be a mess, but God is with them. And I just want to share one last story. And that was um, like Julie used to take us. Julie was the only Christian in our house. We weren't brought up in a Christian household, but my sister Julie, she used to take us to Sunday school. And we stopped going when we were teenagers. We weren't Christians, but we stopped going. So she was still the only Christian in the house. And then it was probably about 10 years after that, um, I became a Christian. Then me and Sue like, lived together at the time. We decided to get married. And at our wedding blessing, my sister became a Christian. My mum became a Christian. A month after the wedding, Stu became a Christian. And my brother became a Christian. And I really believe that was all the input and scripture, you know, and wonderful people, you know, Harold and Beatrice Wright at Sunday school we used to go to and they used to organise um, trips away. We used to go with our cousins to trips away with the church. And I believe that's the input and the prayers of Christian people. So please, you know, 
your, your kids will come back. So don't be sad tonight. And then I'm just going to finish by reading. It's a song. And it was written by Paul Oakley. He was like, a, um, most of you will know him, but he was like a, a songwriter and worship leader in our family churches. I don't know why he still worships him. Leads still knocking on a bit now, isn't he? But anyway, um, and I just want to read this over us as a prayer. And I'm not lying here, I can't tell you exactly, but he either wrote this song when he was on Teesside visiting Jeremy and Anne when they were here, or he wrote it for Teesside. This song, I don't think I'm lying there, but I'll check it up. And I just want to finish really by can I read this over us as a, as a prayer? Is that all right? I'm just going to read the song, but if you want to close your eyes and see the Holy Spirit, it says, um, your hand has lifted me from death. You put my feet on solid ground. You put a song in my heart and crowned me with your love, my saviour, my God. You give me dignity and grace, beauty for ashes, love for hate. You meet my every need. Your mercy fills my soul until I overflow. Help me to shine. Help me to shine like the stars above. Help me to live like the one I love. Help me to shine. Help me to shine. Help me to shine like the stars above. Help me to love those who have no love. Help me to shine. Help me to shine. Now let me share this love I found. Many of those with broken hearts. Send me to bind up their wounds and comfort those who grieve. My Jesus set them free because freely I've received and your love has captured me. So compel me, Lord, to give your love away. Help me to shine. Help me to shine like the stars above. Help me to live like the one I love. Help me to shine. Help me to shine. Help me to shine like the stars above. Help me to love those who have no love. Help me to shine. Help me to shine. Thank you for listening.